Hey everybody, welcome to episode 58 of Founders Gyan and thanks for tuning in. This week we have the founder trio of Nikhil Joyce, TJ and Setu on our show. They are the founders of Eventosaur, a platform for well, your events like pujas, catering and so on. We also talk in depth about usability testing and user persona creation on the show, which I'm sure will be very valuable to all you startups out there. So don't miss that part. Do check out foundersgyan.com slash EP58, that is 58, for the show notes for all that we talk about on the show. And also check out our archives at foundersgyan.com for 50 plus episodes. Alright, let's get started now. Nikhil, TJ and Setu, great to meet you. Um, nice to be chatting with you also. Sure. So, uh, thanks a lot for taking time out and uh, agreeing to be on the show. Uh, we are also going to be talking in depth about usability testing and persona creation later on in the show. Mm-hmm. But uh, let's first start with the concept of Eventosaur. So when I first read uh, your About Us page, uh, you had mentioned that um, there was a need that you wanted to solve. So is there a story here that uh, that I, I can sense a story here? Sure. Is there one? Uh, yes, there is. So, uh, all three of us are from Bangalore. We are uh, local Khandiga boys, but uh, I'm also ha- I also happen to be, you know, half Telguite and the stereotype is true. Most of my family does stay in the US. Uh, sometime in late 2014, what happened was I, I lost my uncle and aunt in quick succession over a couple of months. And my cousins had to come down to India to do the last rites and the funerals and all of that. And since I was their local contact in the sense that I was the local guy who knew the language and knew the place, I was in charge of finding the pundit, finding a caterer, finding a venue for these things and all of that. My family's been in Bangalore for about 40 years and despite that, my dad and I we found it super hard to go, you know, look for these service providers, figure out what works, what doesn't, what the pricing should be and all of that. Right. And, and this came at a time when I was already using online resources for everything. like. Late 2014 was when I was already buying my movie tickets online. I had an app that would get me a cab whenever I needed. I was buying my groceries online. Right. And as Indians, uh, these events are something that we spend a lot of money on, a lot of time on, a lot of effort on. Right. I mean, the big fat Indian wedding is something that all of us know. Right. There are families that have bank accounts that are saved up for these events. We probably spend more on pujas and rituals and havans than we do on vacations, most of our middle class families. And the way things work had not changed at all over the past two, three decades. Another thing that spurred me on later on uh, was that I had my niece flying down, I shared my birthday with her and we had to have a small naming ceremony of sorts for her in India. And the way that had to be done, the way that had to be arranged, the way that even planning happened was exactly the same way, you know, the way ours was done 25 years ago. There had to be a change. There had to be something that made the whole process a little more efficient. Mm-hmm. So Seto and I, at the time, uh, we were running a startup already. Right, right. So so before we get into that, uh, just I just want you guys to quickly introduce yourself sure. and what roles you do because I'm sure our listeners must be wondering who's this sure. and talking sure. about his life story. Right? <laughs> sure, sure, sure. <laughs> so... <laughs> So uh, I'm Nikhil, uh, I run 
sales, marketing, operations, and the cleaning of the room at Eventisor. <laughs> I do most of the stuff that I can't do, and I also pretend to understand tech and design because I don't handle those directly myself. Okay. Uh, I'm Tejawant. Uh, work. And for this interview, so thank you very much for that. Yeah. Uh, so, how did you guys get together? So, I think uh, Nikhil, you were about to just touch on sure, that. Yeah. So, yeah, could you just uh, continue there? Yeah. So, uh, Setu and I have known each other for about five, six years now, six years maybe, and it's been via Twitter, as odd as it sounds. And uh, Setu and I actually started a company together called The Next Chapter sometime in 2014, and we were working on it when we got this idea. And there was a lean period going on in that startup, which is when we realized. There's a gap here that you know our skill set would help. Uh, now TJ and I went to school together about ten years ago. Hmm. Uh, we went to this place called Diksha, and uh, we went from first bench to last bench, and uh, <laughs> eventually out of the class together. <laughs> uh, so Nikhil told me the idea about uh, around March last year. Uh, he told me that you know he's thinking of working on something in this space. and i just shrugged it off thinking uh, it's okay uh, i recently quit my job uh, my previous job back then i was freelancing as a photographer and uh, uh 2 3 days after nikhil told me this i had a family crisis where something of the sort would have helped me a lot mm-hmm. so i you know called back nikhil and told hey uh, you know we need to create this mm-hmm. there, there are people who mm-hmm. need this desperately mm-hmm. and uh, so Quickly enough, like we we had a static page with just a picture, no clickable elements, nothing, uh-huh. and um, we bought the domain name. We created uh, social personas for this, and um, you know, just put the word out there saying that there is something of this sort that we are trying. Mm-hmm. And uh, within a week, uh, within a week of doing that, we ended up getting our first order. Wow. Okay. So how did you yeah. spread this word? Because you just had a static page, right? I mean. Yeah. So we put the word out on uh, Twitter, like change our bios and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a pretty decent following. Yeah, I think all three of us uh, are pretty decent on Twitter. We got our mothers to like the Facebook page, so we had about eight to ten likes on Facebook <laughs> as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, one fine day, uh, uh, the founder of a company called uh, Booker was just browsing through Twitter, found my Twitter profile bio had you know even to saw one forty which is our handle on Twitter mm-hmm. and. he just went and checked it out mm. found out that we were working on something in the traditional event space mm-hmm. immediately found the 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 actually the static page had a phone number it had yeah. my personal phone number and it had a gmail id gmail id mm-hmm. yeah yeah so he found my phone number called me up at 11 pm in the night and mm-hmm. said uh, hey is this nikhil from event to sora mm-hmm. yes uh I'm looking for a priest tomorrow. We have a kitchen opening ceremony. I'm from Chandigarh. Mm. My dad's asking me to have a puja. Mm-hmm. Is this something you guys deal with? Mm-hmm. And we didn't. We actually had only Chandigarh and Telugu priests back then. But I said yes anyway. And uh, the next morning, uh, Seto woke up at 5 a.m. TJ and I woke up at 6 a.m. and we started running around looking for. 
Hindi speaking priests and we managed to get that order okay and uh, okay aruj was super grateful mm. wrote a long facebook post about us mm. and within the next day we had another uh, customer wow so nice. most yeah. of our uh, our customer base has been through referrals and word of mouth so especially the first few customers set that we got were mostly mm. because of this so people who invaded mm. our services they were pretty happy they started talking mm. about us to other people and that's how we started getting more and more orders mm. nice so uh, again uh, coming back to the fact that you didn't have any priests on the platform now uh, obviously it's uh, it's a difficult situation for any marketplace right you need those people in yeah. and especially we are talking about uh, people who are uh, completely not used to it uh though i think it is very much changing i mean i've seen like priests riding motorcycles and you know i'm sure they use ola uber <laughs> I mean, we have plumbers yeah, yeah, yeah. coming uh, using apps and coming yeah, home so yeah. i'm sure it is changing uh, slowly or maybe rapidly rapidly, rapidly. okay yes. rapidly uh, so how did you crack that problem i mean how did you get uh, you just got a contact of priest numbers you had them on an excel sheet or something what, what did you start with so we did a lot of uh, groundwork initially uh, we oh. started randomly going into some temples uh-huh. we started pitching them the idea uh-huh. and we got quite a lot of good responses people were quite excited to hear that they are getting an online presence mm-hmm. so so far these priest caterers are but for the people who didn't have any social presence right. any online presence right and i think on some lines they were desperately looking to get into something like this and mm-hmm. quite a lot of them were pretty excited when we told them that here's the service that you can you mm-hmm. know connect to users mm. using online services and all that and mm. that's how we started uh, building our uh, inventory you know we started just going into temples we started going mm. into mm. events uh, mm. and talking to the caterers priests there and mm. uh, and that's how we signed up a lot of vendors and mm. and we were very particular about the quality also we didn't want to compromise on the quality so mm. all the vendors that we were signing up were were mostly people who we use their services who we knew they are good with whatever they do mm-hmm. and those were our initial set of vendors mm-hmm. uh, because so quality of service was our most important thing especially mm-hmm. when customers don't know mm-hmm. who their vendors are right mm-hmm. uh, we have to be very spot on on the service so that's how we started growing our one vendors. one other thing that helped us a lot was that in the beginning mm-hmm. even though we were providing only one service provider or at mm-hmm. max 2 to mm-hmm. each customer mm-hmm. uh it's not a scalable practice but we made it a point at least one of us would go and attend these events to get event feedback mm-hmm. on you know nice. how things went mm-hmm. how are things going what could we improve about the whole experience mm-hmm. uh what are the pain points that the families that are hosting these events uh, mm-hmm. experience and all of that and when this happened so so you you physically 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 any any specific reason for that why not just a phone call or a email follow up it's, it's more personal when you go down there like physically like it's easier to gauge the responses and all that when when you, mm-hmm. when you have these conversations face to face i think i think that's that's a nice point here because uh, i think a lot of startups uh, are taking the easy route out you know yeah. uh, they don't want to put in the hard work and the yeah. struggle you know they they're happy uh, myself included it's nothing it's, to do with startups i think it's just human psychology which is this way i guess yeah, yeah laziness you could say you know we don't really want to go and meet people we'd rather do it over a phone call or a skype yeah. you know um, so i think that's that's a nice nice thing that you guys did now i know our deep dive topic is about uh, usability testing and uh, user personas but um i think
think it's a very uh, strange journey for you guys, right? I mean, because uh, the last person you'd expect uh, to talk about uh, usability testing is somebody who started with a static uh, web page. <laughs> but uh, I think uh, you guys have uh, kind of like moved from that a really long way. I mean, uh, no offense to yep. the starting. Uh, obviously, you guys were just testing it out, yeah. uh, right? So. Uh, let's start off with uh, a, a very simple question on how do you approach the entire concept of this usability testing? Um, so, so let me tell you why we started usability testing. Uh, initially, we launched our product sometime in August, 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 August of last year. And uh, when we launched that product, it was something that we thought was the perfect solution. We released it and then when, when we started looking at customers using the product, we realized there were some gaps. Um, mm -hmm. Things weren't going on the way we expected to work. Uh, people were getting confused. And then we, we, we thought, okay, there's something going wrong there. And uh, it's at the same point I went to the university and I started learning about UX design, more human-centered design, and that's where I got introduced to the concept of usability testing. So uh, basically what we do is uh, before we build a product, before we ship it, we create prototypes and we test it with users to see if this is the real solution, if, if right. what our uh, assumptions or uh, what we think is the solution is really the valid solution. Right. So we test it with users and then we validate the idea mm -hmm. and we iterate on those ideas to get the right solution and then we start uh, shipping it. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's, it's a long process of uh, Testing and iteration. Right. So right. So, so, so when let's say uh, for our listeners out there who are wanting to create their own startups, uh, they obviously have several challenges. Uh, one, they need to come up with a minimum viable product. They need to get customers. Uh, they need to do usability testing also, right? So, yeah. uh, the usability testing obviously has to be done on a set of real customers, right? You can't have like few of your friends you know who yeah. are, or, or within your company who already know about what the product is yeah. and ask them to test it out because you know very well how the flow is going to be and yeah. etc uh, et right so uh, <clears throat> so let's talk about user personas I think uh, uh, that's a that's a good good point that maybe many uh, many startups don't know about uh, so from my limited understanding user personas uh, you uh, kind of give the uh, user uh, uh, a, a description or maybe a name, uh, a, uh, age, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. uh, some kind of demographics, right? True. Basically, you, you give the user a demographics and kind of design the product around the demographic. So, True. in your case, it would be people who want these pujas or who want these events, uh, could be... Uh, a lot deeper, a lot deeper than that. Okay. So, so uh, we have, at Eventosol, we have four main categories of user personas. Right who want these events. All right. of them are our users, all of them buy from us, but they're all different. So right. since we're only live in Bangalore, we start off with Bangalore, it's a market we understand. We divided the user base into two halves. Mm -hmm. One half is from Bangalore, mm -hmm. one half isn't. They migrated to Bangalore for various reasons. It could be work, it could be study, anything of that right. sort. Then we further divided mm -hmm. this entire group into other two halves. Mm -hmm. There are people who are self-motivated mm -hmm. to be event hosts. Mm -hmm. People who want to plan an event, people mm -hmm. who want to do these uh, planning access, you know, these whole activities on their own. Mm -hmm. And then there are people who are pressurized into it. It can be 
by a mom, by a dad, by a wife, by a husband, by a boyfriend, right. by a kid, anything of that sort. Right. right. These are people who are pressurized into hosting these events. Right. No, no dearth of those people. No dearth of those people. <laughs> we have loads of those, and we love those people at Event Assault. Right. So, having these four segregations helps us have four distinct personas. So we have. Mm. people from bangalore mm-hmm. who are self motivated mm-hmm. in hosting these events mm-hmm. then we have the people from bangalore mm-hmm. who are not self motivated who need to be pressurized into hosting events mm-hmm. then we have the people who are not from bangalore but have an interest self interest mm-hmm. in being hosts mm-hmm. and then we have our sweet spot people who are not from bangalore but have pressures from outside and they don't want to host events right. so it could be like as in the example of our first customer who was from chandigarh right and he wasn't interested in having puja but his dad was mm-hmm. so he told him can you please have a puja right and we were the ideal solution because right we were convenient we mm-hmm. were quick mm-hmm. and in exchange for a little bit of money mm-hmm. we got everything done from one end to the other mm-hmm. so we have these four main personas of course in depth we have names for these personas we know how much they earn we know what mm. their uh, you know where they work you know mm. we know how they commute all of that we know what mm. apps they have on their phone what but like, all the things what they dislike their frustrations so so how how do you uh, is it is like for uh, uh, an industry standard or is it for your specific uh, niche or uh, what's what's i mean you can go as deep as you want or as shallow as you want right so how do you, how did you guys decide okay four is what we want or uh, can you give us some tips on like because i mean it's it's a deep topic right sure. you can create 100 user personas also right uh so there's no industry standard as such there right. is absolutely no standard about how many personas you can create it all depends on what problem you're trying to solve right. and who you're trying to solve it for mm-hmm. and uh these personas are basically your user base right uh kind grouped into one person right right so as nikhil just said uh we have four different kinds of users who who are who are our users right and for these users we thought okay this particular person fits this whole category of people and then this person right. fits this whole category of people so that's our representation these are the yeah. four generalizations that we have for our entire user base right and right. so so maybe use yeah. the 80 20 rule maybe 80% of your customers if yes. they fit into sure. these yeah. four personas i think yeah. that's that's good enough so maybe find out where 80% of your customers or revenue is going to come from yeah. and create personas for them because you can't obviously have it for 100% of, of people right so so you were also mentioning you know everything about these users so uh, is that out of some market research how did you get more in depth detail about these personas because you all are same kanadigas right True. i mean you are you fit into one persona probably True. but there are like other three personas out there yep. right so i think it helps that uh, we all studied outside and that yeah. we have a variety of friends but on a on a more serious note it helps that we now have a whole set of our initial users who we can map back to these personas mm-hmm. so the personal creation didn't happen on day 1 mm-hmm. we made a lot of mistakes we got a lot of customers we made some money and then we started making these personas getting into more of a design thinking mindset mm-hmm. and today when we look back mm-hmm. we are able to map our users back to these personas mm-hmm. and we realize that the people who use us first and since we didn't spend any money to get mm-hmm. our initial users mm-hmm. these are real users for whom there was a pain point these are right. people who put real money where their mouth is mm-hmm. and now we know their characteristics and we see these patterns these trends emerge mm-hmm. between their profiles and mm-hmm. that helps us solidify the personas so to speak mm. okay so once you have these personas 
what next? I mean, what what are we supposed to do? Okay, we have created exactly, this person. It's exactly what you said about the eighty twenty rule. Right. So eighty twenty rule helped us boil it down to four personas. Right. Now in these four personas, we again create an eighty twenty rule where we know which of our users mm-hmm. we can reach more easily. Mm-hmm. How the messaging can be. So for example, our fourth category user which mm. is a user from outside the city mm. and is not interested in hosting an event but has external pressure mm-hmm. that's the user we see with the highest volume and highest revenue mm-hmm. and reaching out to this user you know actually uh, having our uh, messaging and our branding reflect what this user needs mm. makes more sense than trying to appeal to a local kanadiga who is interested in having this event mm-hmm. so this helps us in number 1 our marketing efforts mm-hmm. number 2 the way we brand things mm-hmm. and while building the product mm-hmm. if this user can go through this mm-hmm. then that's good enough for us to start shipping so mm-hmm. as a designer uh, i look into these personas as my reference mm-hmm. when i'm designing things mm-hmm. uh, so when i'm building something i i i look at this person his needs and requirements his frustrations and i see if this person is using my website mm-hmm. what would he do mm-hmm. right and i would design for his requirements mm-hmm. and his requirements will fit a huge group of people right and that's how personas help me when we are designing things right and how do you get this feedback loop right so uh, you design it for a specific uh, set of people and then uh, uh, you kind of um, uh, release it mm-hmm. and uh, then they have to use it and yeah. then they have to come back right so, so how do you capture the, the yeah so that's where the usability testing thing happens <laughs> right so, so let's talk about that yeah yeah so we don't when we know what our users are we don't build it and then ask people to use it what we do is we create very low frame uh, wireframes mm-hmm. and we create some quick paper prototypes with it and then mm-hmm. we put it in front of people and mm-hmm. then we tell them okay this is a website mm-hmm. uh, here is your scenario we give them a scenario like you are it's a story uh, basically yeah. you tell them a story that mm-hmm. imagine in case of event to solve we like imagine you moved to bangalore and you bought a house mm-hmm. and you want to invite 50 of your close friends 30 of your relatives from back home mm-hmm. and have a gurupravesh puja with mm-hmm. a pandit who speaks your language mm-hmm. this is the menu mm-hmm. so yeah they'll have a proper scenario and then they'll have a task list mm-hmm. and they'll start using the prototypes as they would use a website mm-hmm. and we observe them how they use it mm-hmm. be, so it is like a piece of paper or it's something it is a graphic it's just a piece of paper, paper. Yeah. the multiple uh, ways of doing it the mm-hmm. easiest being is a paper prototype right it's the fastest fastest okay yeah. so once we see how they use it we get we get a quick idea about mm-hmm. how they are using it mm-hmm. if they if they are able to successfully complete their task if there's something that's stopping them mm-hmm. and we keep talking to them all the time we keep mm-hmm. asking them you know why did you press there mm-hmm. if if they got we stuck somewhere very verbal about so so I'm, yeah. i'm i'm actually a uh, little confused about this and uh, i'm not sure how many of our listeners know what this so in a paper based prototype uh, how do you go through the screen so let's say he presses one button so you will push the next paper and next paper yeah. yes exactly exactly okay. what we do yeah. okay. okay so we give them a pen or a, you know marker or something of the sort tell them use this like you would use a mouse point pointer right uh, there's a print out of exactly how the web page might look it's a little low fidelity in the sense that it won't have images and all that right. it will be blocks it will be like well labeled and all that right. and they'll be like buttons that are really well labeled and they'll have a task list on the side it mm-hmm. says you know task 1 once they complete that they can go to task 2 mm-hmm. we make it amply clear to them that this is not a test of their ability to understand they mm-hmm. are the king mm-hmm. or the queen mm-hmm. and 
the only thing we're testing here is the design itself mm-hmm. uh, and we encourage them to be super vocal we usually mm-hmm. have a joke or two we tell them to be like the cricket commentator they hate the most mm-hmm. and we tell them to go to sunil gaskar more and mm-hmm. tell them just keep rambling on keep telling us give us a visual you know verbal commentary of what mm-hmm. you're doing mm-hmm. and what happens when this so number one because it's a paper prototype mm-hmm. their expectations are low right they are not using it they're using it like they would use a website but they're not they're not fussing around about you know why is there no image here why is there no so mm-hmm. the low level stuff the shallow stuff is gone mm-hmm. what remains is exactly the flow which is mm-hmm. what you want to test in mm-hmm. a design you know prototype mm-hmm. and then what happens is as and when they're going through the entire process mm-hmm. you get to see on their faces mm-hmm. where they're delighted where mm-hmm. they're confused mm-hmm. what made them angry what made them you know really sad about you know what am i doing mm-hmm. and then someone like seto or tj or me is around and we swoop in and we ask them a series of why questions we mm-hmm. keep asking them why mm-hmm. why did that make you feel angry mm-hmm. why did that make you feel frustrated mm-hmm. you smiled just then why mm-hmm. what made you happy Why mm. did that make you happy? Mm. So once you do enough of these tests, you right. kind of figure out what makes people tick, what makes people go through a process, what kind of tiles mm. buttons are easy to find for people, where mm. can you place things. Mm. So it's basically to understand mm. their thought process. So mm. uh, yeah, and I think the five wise, yeah. right? Yeah, five wise. Five wise. Exactly. You will yeah. get to the root of anything. Uh, True. Exactly. Personal. Yeah. happy or unhappy uh, yeah. so design is a process where you're taking a few assumptions of your own and you're starting off mm-hmm. testing these assumptions becomes really important because you can't be naive enough to believe your assumptions were spot on the very first time mm-hmm. okay if you like the show do follow us on facebook and twitter the link is www.facebook.com/foundersgyan and twitter.com/foundersgyan Both these provide you daily tips and articles as well as resources to help and inspire your startup. There are multiple tips per day. Some examples of these tips would be articles on the latest startups, growth hacking tips, how do you build team for startups, how to get funding, etc. So don't forget facebook.com/foundersgyan and twitter.com/foundersgyan. Great. So uh any top tips for uh, usability design user persona creation usability design usability testing any any top tips that has worked really well for you uh, and any top uh, any any tools that you would recommend that uh, will make this easier for uh, for our listeners um so if i have to give some tips i would probably say uh do usability testing at every stage of the product and mm-hmm. not just early or not just too late mm-hmm. uh because it always helps to do testing and then iterating on the product mm-hmm. engineering uh, is much more expensive yeah like more expensive than you know testing the product on at a prototype level right yeah right. because uh, once you build the product mm-hmm. it has taken a lot of effort a lot of time and, and you're biased to yeah. keep it as it is correct so, correct yeah. Also, when you are doing the testing, I would recommend not to bias a user uh, mm-hmm. into doing something that you want them to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, try to keep the the feedback as honest as possible. Can you can you give an can you, can you think of an example where you can uh, bias a user into? So, for example, if there's a button on the screen, uh-huh. asking them directly to press that button is a is a direct bias. Mm-hmm. So, instead, I would probably ask them. Okay. What, what might you do next? Right. Uh, if you accomplish this task, where would you click? 
hmm. instead of telling okay you are done with this task press now press on submit so, so right exactly okay. that's not giving me any real feedback hmm. uh, so keeping it very open ended and also hmm. non biased is is will give you a lot of honest feedback hmm. and uh, and that is pretty difficult actually yeah it's very, very easy to bias someone else into thinking what you want them to think yeah right so yeah it's so, stuff right uh, usually testing takes a lot of practice mm-hmm. and yeah and so i you guys have some background on that i mean how did you so we we've, we've been learning from setu mostly and like he's been giving us a lot of tips so mm-hmm. i know you asked for best practices but right. one of the best not to do things right. right for a person like me i'm a national sales guy i i take bmtc buses so that i can sell to the people next to me i take uber pools so that i can sell to them so when a sales person like me is doing usability testing there is a temptation within to want to sell your product right which is again bias but right. then it's a different kind of bias where mm. you're kind of selling all mm. the time mm. so it's very important to switch off the sales mode mm-hmm. and go into very open very thick skinned open feedback mode where you're open mm. to anything the user saying mm. where you're not questioning anything and where you're not defending your product or your design mm. you're just open to suggestions and you keep mm. going in that process right. okay and any any uh, top tools uh, design tools or or usability tools that you can recommend uh, so it depends on what stage you are doing the testing at mm-hmm. uh, if it's a very early stage concept then paper prototype is free uh, all you have to do is create some wireframes take a print out and start quickly testing that's right. the fastest process right um, there's this one one thing i i i saw read a uh, uh, pop right prototype on paper pop, yeah yeah So, so that so that works well for uh, mobile mobile prototyping mm. and uh, there's a website called usertesting.com i mm. i think they have some free uh, user user testing profiles i'm not sure but there's one called mockups you know uh, there's a lot of uh, online prototyping tools for yeah. websites and phones and stuff there's invision mm. Mm. so these are things people can use to quickly validate mm. and prototype but then it also depends on what stage you are your product is at right if it's a very early concept paper works right. if it's something just work basically yeah mm. if it's something slightly more uh, a working prototype then you could just do it, do it on your computer right uh you could also set up a remote usability testing send out your prototype to other people and you can record So mm-hmm. there are a lot of ways usability testing can be done depending right. on what stage the product is at and what feedback you are trying to get from people. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Great. Uh, that's that's great. Is now um, let's talk about uh, the technology behind the scenes. So uh, give us a very high level overview. Obviously, uh, we can't go in depth into that on how this entire. I, I just had a very brief look at your. Um, <coughs> at your website and i could see that there were different things you can either uh, arrange a caterer or a, or a there there are different yeah. things like pujari uh, so how does it work behind the scenes what what's the engine uh, that so uh, what we've done is uh, like since from the idea phase to since we actually launched beyond a static site uh, we did a lot of homework to get data on how much everything would cost so we've spoken to a lot of vendors got we have like a ton of data on this mm-hmm. and when you do go to the site and you when you do customize your menu or right. change the puja and what not you'll see and an estimate that changes like as as and when you do it mm-hmm. so uh, essentially uh, what the site is is a form where it, we capture your requirements right and in the back end it's all python based mm-hmm. and uh, 
we send out a request to vendors near your area mm-hmm. wherein uh, we tell them hey uh, so how do the vendors what what kind of notification do the vendors so get? it's basically text me text message based as of now but we're building an like on I mean, said, I mean you mentioned this though vendors are not very tech savvy and whatnot right. but what we found is they're really uh, good with stuff like whatsapp and mm-hmm. you know sms and those kind of things mm-hmm. so it's all text text based wherein they can interact also with pictures and voice notes um, so so they get so supposing i'm a vendor yeah. so i get a text message uh, and now how do i confirm or so uh, suppose i'm a user who wants 100 plates of food and i've decided the menu on inventor saw and i stay in Indranagar mm. and the near neighboring areas are Dumblur, CV Ramanagar and Kolmangla. Mm. 10 vendors including you get a notification saying there is a request for 100 plates of XXXXX food on so and so date mm-hmm. in Dumblur. This is the location. Mm. And you have to get back with the best possible quote per plate or as a total. Mm-hmm. So in essence, the vendors are competing against each other. Vendors are bidding, bidding basically. It's a reverse auction where they're bidding against each other. But you have already told the price to the customer, right? So we have already told an estimate to a customer. Estimate, okay. Yeah, and we have enough data to say it very confidently because we know we are going to get as low as that or lower than that. Right. Okay. So we can. pretty much promise that you know mm-hmm. it's going to be around that range mm-hmm. and then our algorithm basically filters on the basis of you know geography on the basis of user ratings on the basis of a bunch of factors mm-hmm. which is of course where the secret sauce lies mm-hmm. and we figure out who the best match for you is mm-hmm. and in this way this process is repeated across vendors mm-hmm. so at the end what you're left with is a beautiful team of vendors mm-hmm. tailor made for your requirements mm-hmm. nothing else is taken into consideration except your budget and your requirements mm-hmm. so you have a team that so so you get uh so the algorithm runs and it spits out uh, one vendor or yes. uh, yeah. it spits out in a priority out, order it spits out the order yeah. right so okay depending upon availability again they send back with the availability so mm-hmm. you know either choice one is mm-hmm. assigned if choice two choice one backs out then choice two is there that's all. so the user gets one uh, vendor per service per kind right. yes. all right okay and uh, and also in terms of uh, the uh, uh, text message Uh, so obviously uh, there's a lot of inputs right but text uh, message has uh, some uh, uh, limitations right uh, sure. on number of characters so how do you overcome mm-hmm. them you send two three text messages so we have a vendor app uh-huh. for uh, the vendors like right. and the, on the app there is no limit on the, the text length and those kind of things so, mm-hmm. so it basically that we what we pitch it to them as is it's their whatsapp for work Mm-hmm. It's an event or sort partners app, kind of like your Uber, right. you know, partner app. Right. Where that becomes their uh, WhatsApp for work. So right. all the messages they get there, they right. know these are qualified leads that right. can convert into a sale. Right. Okay. Okay. Excellent. Now, uh, do you have any plans for expansion apart from uh, uh, Bangalore? Uh, what's What's it looking like in terms of expansion plans? Sure. So we have two kinds of expansions that we're looking at. Number one is, of course, geographical expansion. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bangalore is a great place to start. We love Bangalore. We are born and brought up here. Uh, but there are more cities. There are more tier two cities. There are more tier one cities to go to. Mm-hmm. Lot of countries. Mm-hmm. Even planning as an industry is broken. It's a very fragmented industry, and we feel 
with technology, we can actually make it a lot better, the process. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at expanding to a lot of places, you know, Chennai, Mysore, Pune. Mm-hmm. We get requests from Delhi, Pune, Ahmedabad all the time and we'd love to serve these people. So mm-hmm. we are looking to, you know, maybe after a small fundraise or something of the sort, run a few data-backed experiments. Uh, mm-hmm. These are geographical. Mm-hmm. Apart from that, uh, we started off with a category which is traditional events, mm-hmm. which is mainly because all three of us come from kind of conservative families and we understand this market well mm-hmm. but now that we've been in the industry for a while and mm-hmm. we've actually done corporate events birthday mm-hmm. parties all those kind of things mm-hmm. and weddings mm-hmm. categorically also mm-hmm. we would like to expand so mm-hmm. we're constantly adding new vendor types like we've uh, we've we've uh, handled uh, we've onboarded partners for logistics mm-hmm. uh, choreographers DJs Mm-hmm. You know, uh, things that help you with uh, events like Sangeet or weddings and those kind of things also. Mm-hmm. And um, that is something that we want to work on in Bangalore first, mm-hmm. uh, get get more categories of vendors in. Mm-hmm. So we can just serve a large variety of mm-hmm. uh, events. Mm-hmm. The underlying technology and the, you know, the funda behind the whole process will still be the same. Right. right. But uh, we understand that events can be served. Yeah. So I think once you have the... Uh, engine running in the background and you know you have a little bit of expertise in the area I think uh, expanding into other categories is is, so is just a kind of uh, it's plug and play yeah, it's, yeah you just have to tweak uh, but that brings me to another question which is uh, uh, the challenges in onboarding these uh, vendors you know already I think Sidhu uh, you mentioned that they were actually very happy that uh, uh, that there's something like that but Surely, if we go into these traditional uh, verticals, mm-hmm. uh, there would be a lot of resistance, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, whether any uh, any of that, like, uh, I mean, I, or, or was that a big challenge or what would you say was the biggest challenge you faced uh, so far we, in your journey? We've had resistance in terms of a few communities wherein everyone in the community knows each other already. So, um, like, people, in, people there wouldn't... They they weren't too re- they weren't ready to you know go outside and right. get customers from outside type. Right. One so more basically, uh, we're trying to change an entire mindset of people. Right. Mm. People are used to planning their events in one way for the last two or three decades, and right now we're trying to disrupt that whole model, uh, both from the customer side as well as from the vendor side. Mm. So that disruption is something that is kind of a challenge for us. We have to tell people that it's okay to book your events online. Right, uh, right. I mean, people might think it's unholy yeah. or something, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, as Indians, we have this tendency to romanticize effort. Mm-hmm. We are people who brag about working 16 hour days. Uh-huh. It's the same goes for events. So we've had people who say, it won't feel like I put in the effort to yeah. have my son's birthday party. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, you know, okay. Uh, it, that feeling does not arrive but mm. we tell them like spend mm. that time spending time you know playing right. cricket with him and like yeah having more yeah. fun while right. we take care of things that are not your core competence right right I think uh, I think it kind of stems from a uh, from a guilty mind or whatever I mean if they use this then basically they're just putting in the money right I, I mean, mean they, I it's, so, it's yeah. the hard work kind of a thing I mean no one wants to be smart about things anymore like, right in, in such things at least right Right. Okay. 
Um, so, uh, so you'd say the biggest challenge uh, is there any other challenge that you faced? One, one more challenge that we find once in a while, and we're very glad we're solving this, mm-hmm. is on the financial side. A lot of these service providers are very small scale, and mm-hmm. they might not be under the tax bandwagon. And we'd like to bring them on board, teach mm-hmm. them, you know, how to have legal, ethical transactions mm-hmm. and make sure that they start accepting online payments because this is an industry that's worked on cash for a very long time. Right. We are changing how it works. We accept online payments. We accept checks and all of that. Right. So right. We are legit- legitimizing the entire industry. Okay. Excellent. Now, um, if uh, you had to do it all over again, uh, you're uh, more than a year old, year and a half, yeah. I think. Uh, year old. Uh, year and a half, right? March, you thought of the idea yeah. in March and sure. kind of. So, uh, what would you uh, kind of do different if you had to start this, uh, say today? Um, talking from the product side, I would probably do. I would probably uh, do the design process that we are doing right now. Yeah, mm-hmm. sooner. <laughs> so basically, we built a product. We based on complete assumptions, and then we thought that would work, but then it didn't. So uh, I would probably go back and start creating prototypes and then testing it before building the product, and that would actually help us get to a more concrete solution and that would actually speed up the process of mm. shipping the product. So uh, that, that's one thing that I would say. So, so the technology side? Uh, so the technologies I know now is like vastly different from what I knew about a year, year and a half ago. Right. Um, so you already mentioned Python, what, what else do you so, use? Uh, on the back end I use Python uh, as, as a server, uh, Postgres as my database. Mm. Um, and on the front end, I'm currently playing around with React. Mm-hmm. Um, the current site uh, uses Knockout in the front and the back end is pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, if I had to redo things, I would mm-hmm. probably pick up on React first. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so much more easier and faster in performance. Oh, was it uh, like a lack of uh, research or you did with what you knew? So Knockout, uh, Knockout was very easy to pick up. I mm-hmm. mean. Uh, the learning curve was much, much lesser. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying React is hard. React mm-hmm. is also pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, um, I mean, at that point, Knockout was much easier for me uh, mm-hmm. because I was more into in, into the back end part. Mm-hmm. And front end was very, you know, uh, it, it was something I didn't want to handle, but right. like, on the job, you learn a lot more. Circumstantial. Right. And from a marketing perspective. From a marketing perspective, I... One of our uh, biggest go-to-market strategies, which has been working for us over the past four months, I would say, mm-hmm. is something I wish I had figured out a lot earlier. Mm-hmm. So something that we realized some over the last four months is that there is no high-quality content mm-hmm. about these traditional events. So for example, mm-hmm. you do not have a very good Wikipedia page about a Guru Pravesha, mm-hmm. right? About a housewarming ceremony. Mm-hmm. And the kind of content that was there uh, mm-hmm. online is mm-hmm. really shoddy. Mm. So what we then ended up doing is writing really good high quality content that mm. is SEO friendly. Mm-hmm. So that as soon as people Google something like, you know, listeners can try this, mm. Griho Pravesham Pandit Bangalore, we mm. pop up somewhere within the top seven eight results. Mm-hmm. And that has helped us get a lot of sales. Um, mm. If we, that's one change that I would like, you know, certainly make, mm. go towards the content uh, strategy earlier, invest a little more time and mm. producing high quality content, which would be useful to users and would then lead them mm. to our sales pages. So do, so do you guys have a, 
a content writer you also said or you guys do it yourself yeah i i so do all the content he's joke him being the chief essay writing officer so. <laughs> okay yeah. uh, so uh, it is it is tough right i mean you have to pick that up i mean not everybody true i come from a content writing background my okay. first job was as a content i used to write for b schools in the us uk and canada mm-hmm. and clients like pearson mcgraw hill by me mm-hmm. so content writing is something that i love something i've been doing ever since uh, i was mm-hmm. a kid mm-hmm. seo is something i had to pick up on my own Uh, mm-hmm. it's a self thought thing and mm-hmm. i'm loving the the benefits are late yeah benefits mm-hmm. are pretty late i mean you write something now mm-hmm. you'll probably reap something probably like 3 or 4 months later mm-hmm. so it it's not something that you know you there's no instant gratification there's no instant gratification mm-hmm. so, any any good seo tools that you guys uh, recommend uh, what uh, i would totally recommend every every founder irrespective mm-hmm. of whether you're writing content or not everyone mm-hmm. should read mm-hmm. the guide to seo by beginners guide to seo by rand fishkin on mm-hmm. moz.com and that's probably the bible for seo tips mm-hmm. okay so you okay. can go through that right right uh, i mean my site runs on the founders gyan runs on wordpress so i do know little bit about seo i i use this plugin called yoast yoast yes yoast, yeah, yoast, yoast. is uh, pretty good uh, so is there something equivalent in uh, uh, in your so, uh, website so uh, all i mean our entire tech is all custom built mm-hmm. uh, so i mean the reason why it that is so is i have fine control over uh, every bit of thing that that happens right so but how do you so, how do you like uh, rank uh, how do you test your site against uh, seo is there a is uh, there an online site or a alexa ranking alexa rankings help to some extent and mm-hmm. most importantly measuring what comes on your google analytics dashboard is important right. google um, analytics the right. search queries search queries there's a search console on your google analytics an- account mm-hmm. uh, figure out what people are keying in what kind of queries people are queuing in mm-hmm. to you know uh, get on your site mm-hmm. and depending on that just write better content for that and make sure your rankings go up for those keywords google uh, google adwords has a um, keyword to keyword mm-hmm. research too yeah, yeah so when you are writing a new article mm-hmm. uh, on a particular topic mm-hmm. go through those go, go through that keyword tool to figure out mm-hmm. what are the common things people are looking for i mean it's right. very easy to get to the low hanging fruits from that you get right. the search volume and the trends from right. keyword planner and from there you can do right that. right so uh that is obviously uh the smart way to do it because i think a lot of people uh when they think about content you know uh they just want to write something about their site you know yeah. something <laughs> that's relevant they don't i don't think a lot of people put in the research uh, so uh, i think uh, what you guys are saying and i agree with it is that research before you write you might like to write about housewarming but uh, if uh, you don't use the proper keywords yeah so for example for housewarming it doesn't make sense for me to spell it as gruha pravesham it is griha pravesh which is search the most yeah. so uh, that's how i spell it in my post and have it and, and the research the amount of time or effort needed for these for this kind of research is very little like in terms of in comparison to writing the article itself right so, The ROI is very high on the homework, so always do your homework. Right, right. Okay, so I just have a couple more quick questions. Now, uh, we didn't touch on this uh, when you were talking about your idea. So uh, you were mentioning that most of the reach is uh, organic, right? I mean, yep. uh, uh, but did you uh, do any kind of market uh, research or uh, uh, or anything like that before you went into it, or it just happened? You know, you just so, got the site and it just happened. Our static site was the market research, like 
Okay. I mean, so you haven't gone for any focus group research? No, or? none of that. But we did speak to everyone around us. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So whenever we spoke about this product, and we always got a positive response from our customers. People said, if this was something there, then I would definitely use it. And mm. uh, we saw that the need in people at that. So. so we started uh, conversations with people on two fronts. We mm-hmm. would ask them either about any event that's coming up in their life in the near future or about their last event. Yeah. So people remember either the past event yeah. or they know what they're looking forward to. Right. If they remember the past event, we would just ask them, what are the pain points you had? What do yeah. you remember that was bad? Right. And if they're looking forward to something, we would just ask them, you know, what are the things you would need help with? Right. And then we would pitch them the idea that, hey, I'm building something like this. Right. So uh, one thing I'm really glad all three of us, we were very, very conscious not to get into that typical founder mentality of being in stealth mode. Mm-hmm. We never did that. We very openly spoke about the idea to everyone we met, mm-hmm. uh, which helped us get some really, really valuable feedback that has been helping us for over a year now. Right. And uh, and uh, how do you, uh, apart from word of mouth, how do you acquire customers? Do you uh, use uh, Paid uh, marketing, which one do you prefer if you do? You so, pay? so far we've spent a little bit of money on t-shirts that we wear everywhere. We mm-hmm. spent about 300 rupees a t-shirt on 10 t-shirts, mm-hmm. which we wear to malls and stuff. People mm-hmm. see that, maybe they check us out. Mm-hmm. We have business cards. Business cards. Uh, we've got a few posters. Four okay. posters. Yeah. We yeah. spent 150 rupees on. Okay. And apart <laughs> from that, we haven't spent okay. any So, money. so no Facebook uh, no. advertising, no, no, no Google. No. We no. have the results. But then we are not spending money on money. Those we have a lot of so there's no paid marketing that's very, actively happening. Very nice, very nice. So any books? Uh, I think you already mentioned uh, one book. Uh, the not really a book. I think it's non-end read, right? About the SEO. Yeah. Uh, so apart from that, any any books uh, that you guys uh, recommend for startups uh, or, or could be fiction also? If you guys, sure. uh, I I know you listen to a lot of podcasts, so. Sure. Maybe any any books or resources, you know, maybe uh, you like to set some blogs. Sure. There are so many, uh, but then... One, one or two from <laughs> each. Uh, <laughs> okay, I'll talk from the designer's perspective. Uh, there's a book called About Face mm. by Alan Cooper. Okay. It's a really, really good book on uh, starting to think about design. Uh, why design is important, uh, how you should go about design thinking, what is usability testing, what is user research and how you should actually design the product uh, based on if, if it's a desktop or if it's mobile. So that's a really good book to get all the basics. So okay. I would recommend that. Okay. Uh, there's a podcast called Talk Python, which okay. I've probably learned a lot from the past one year. Mm-hmm. Um, the, it's basically about what the environment in Python and Py- something mm-hmm. that Pythonistas would probably follow. Mm-hmm. Um, they also talk about how companies like Dropbox or Pinterest use Python mm-hmm. in their back in those mm-hmm. kind of things. Very nice, very nice. I think uh, this is the first time somebody has recommended a podcast. I mean, people have recommended podcasts, but from a programmer's perspective, I think mm-hmm. the first time somebody has told me. So, uh, in your opinion, is it easy to pick up things like uh, on a programming side? It, it makes side? you aware about things. Like, and then it, once once you're aware of some, some kind of technology or some kind of code that someone else has written, it becomes really easy to go look for it and then learn from mm-hmm. it. And, mm-hmm. and it, make, it makes the authors of these things really uh, approachable and you know mm-hmm. it's they're, they're all a tweet away basically you can right. tell them hey i heard you on this show like i want to know more types. right great and uh, awesome so i now have two of their quota stuff as well <laughs> awesome so there's uh, zero to one from peter thiel which i'm sure a lot yeah, of your a lot of people, people would have already recommended right. and then there's tribes by seth Godin. 
right. which is an awesome book to read as well mm. from marketer's perspective. Mm. Uh, the Four Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss mm. is awesome because mm. it teaches you a lot about productivity, mm. and the Tim Ferriss show is a must listen for any mm. entrepreneur, I would say. Mm. So these are the main things, and mm. one of the greatest online resource that all of us found. Was uh, Y Combinator Startup School, mm-hmm. which is a series of I think about twenty lectures, twenty YouTube videos, twenty right? YouTube videos mm-hmm. uh, in Stanford, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Uh, just just as many iterations mm-hmm. of that as possible. Every time you listen to those, mm-hmm. you go away with one new takeaway. Awesome. Those are amazing. Awesome, awesome. I'll put all those on the show notes page. Uh, I do have uh, uh, tribes on my. Uh, to read list uh, uh, <laughs> and uh, so uh, uh, sorry what was the other thing you mentioned for our workweek by tim for our work tim ferris yeah tim ferris also has a, a tv show i think yes, uh, the tim ferris experiment tim ferris experiment i think it's it's a, it's a great show showing yes. that you can pick up anything you want i think uh, that's really useful for startup people right you know oh, we okay. need to learn so many new skills uh, so um uh, Really grateful for you guys for taking so much time out and you know coming on the show. Uh, and Another uh, quick thing I would just quickly sure. recommend is uh, for people who are building new products, it's very important to understand user psychology. Mm. So reading books about user psychology, you have user behavior that mm. helps a lot. Uh, mm. So there's a book called Thinking Fast and Slow. Right, the, by Dan Kahneman. Yeah. Yeah. So that's an amazing book. So just just reading just read books that talk about. people use a psychology uh, yeah. and that helps a lot about thinking how users think how they behave before you build a product okay so that gives a really good insight into a user's mind awesome awesome now uh, before we move on to the final question uh, how can uh, listeners get in touch with you obviously if they are in bangalore they can uh, wherever they are they can obviously check out your website eventosort.com and if they are in bangalore they can use it for their services uh, Yeah. For catering, puja, and uh, decoration, decorations, photographers, right. Yeah. Uh, but apart from that, I'm sure a lot of founders may find this show inspiring. They might want to get in touch with you personally to talk about something, maybe with you about Python or with you about design, with you about marketing. So, uh, can you each give me your uh, personal, whatever email or Twitter? I, I think you said Twitter. You have to one, whichever or, or multiple. Sure. On on email, I'm reachable on nikhil at eventosaw.com. On Twitter, you can find me at nikhil joes r n i k h i l. Right. We will we'll put that on the. No need to spell. Awesome. We'll just put that on the. Cool. Uh, I am uh, tj at eventosaw and uh, ahi bakasura on Twitter. Okay. Uh, so my email is setu at eventosaw dot com and uh, I'm setu mad on Twitter. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. So. Thanks so much, guys. Uh, I'm so grateful to you guys for coming on the show. And uh, um, this is one final question. I'm sure you must have all <laughs> listened to my podcast. So yes, I'm sure. You're ready for it. So, but uh, if there's one gyan, only one gyan that you could give. Uh, I mean, uh, I'll. Uh, I'm I'm kind of running out of ideas on how <laughs> to do this because I've been telling. Okay, it's not recording or <laughs> things like that. Uh, but it's getting a little old. But uh, so let me go back to my roots, which is like if there's only one gyan that you could give would be founders. Uh, there are a lot of people. I'm sure lazy people will just go right to the end of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. just to listen to your one gyan. What would that be? One each. One each. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so I'll start off. Yeah, uh, gyan. I think is personal, right? Yes, it's, it's yes. not a company gyan, right? So uh, my one gyan is always assume they're going to make make a movie out of your story and your startup story. Always assume it. And every time you are in a situation where you want to react, 
Think about that movie. Do you think this is going to be a large scene there? Do you think it's going to be left out of the movie? Do you think it's going to be before the interval, after the intermission? When is it going to be? Is it something that you want in the movie? Then react to the situation. Because a startup tests you a lot. The journey is going to be made into a movie. Make sure only the good parts are in the movie. Okay, excellent. Um, for me, uh, I mean, coming from a tech thing, uh, do not wait to learn something new to implement something new. Whatever knowledge you have, try it out. If it doesn't work, you'll eventually learn how to do it anyway. Excellent, excellent. Learning on the fly, basically, yeah. right? Uh, I would just have a very philosophical uh, thing. So basically, just follow your heart, you know. Uh, if, if you are in a company working 9 to 5 work, if you are not liking it, don't, don't do things that you don't want to do. Uh, there is always, all of us quit our jobs that we were not enjoying and then we started this with very less background in entrepreneurship or even the technical things that we knew and then we have somehow reached here. So it's very possible that if you want to do something, then you can always do it. It's just that you have to take that leap. So have heart and then just follow your heart. That's it. Okay, excellent. Thank you so much, guys. Love it, Rob. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. That's it for today, folks. I hope you got inspired and also got some new ideas on how to run your own startup. I'll see you all next week with yet another startup and its founder. In the meantime, please do take action on your own startup. Listening to podcasts, reading books, all that is fine, but action beats everything else. So please do that and good luck on your startup adventure. Bye for now and have a great rest of the week ahead. <laughs>